The sports pen is on the air. Tanner Hoops with you. Glad you're along here on ESPN-UP this Monday afternoon. The last Monday in the month of November and the last Monday before we hit the Thanksgiving holiday. Glad to have you along. You're not messed up as far as your dates, keeping track of what day it is, what have you. But Local 3 Thursdays turned into Local 3 Monday for a couple of reasons. One being, of course, we're close Thursday for the Thanksgiving holiday. The other being that Jake has to get something off his chest. Jake Durant from Local 3 is in with me on Monday. You, how are you feeling, man? Are you doing better today? You, you still a little down? I'm, I'm a little down, man. I'm a little down. I got the Monday blues. It's mm. it's Big L uh, Monday today for me. And why is that? Um, you all, if you, For the listeners out there, I know they've probably seen the, the results of Sunday Night Football last mm. night between the Packers and the Niners. And, you know, I just woke up this morning coffee didn't taste as strong it wasn't as good my cereal didn't taste nearly as as good as you it does on a worst. victory monday you were the absolute i, I went worst. outside i took a big deep breath and the, the air it just didn't it didn't smell as sweet <laughs> because of this this debacle that happened last night now don't get me wrong i understand losses happen in the nfl you know there's only been one team that's gone 16 and 0 and had a perfect record so i understand not every week's going to be your week you're going to lose to some games. A lot of the time, you might lose to an opponent where you should beat. But last night's loss was absolutely... It wasn't... A, there's never a good loss, but it was an embarrassing, no-show performance by a team in the Green Bay Packers who you know view themselves as one of the better teams in the NFC. They have Super Bowl aspirations. Um, they were coming off a bye week, so they had a couple weeks to prepare. Matt LaFleur was going up against a team where he had multiple connections. I know his brother was uh, an offensive assistant, Robert... I, I, is it Sala? Sala? Sala, you know, him and Robert Sala, the defensive coordinator there, who just unleashed on the Packers' offense last night. You know, they're good buddies. Obviously, he's coming from Kyle Shanahan. They kind of have similar backgrounds and how, how they came up coaching. And Matt LaFleur got out coached last night. He looked like a rookie head coach last night. Um, whether it be, you know, some questionable calls on fourth down, not really getting Aaron Jones involved. You, you see when the Packers have success on the road, they go through Aaron Jones, and he was nowhere to be found. Now, could it have been because San Francisco did a good job with their defensive line kind of bottling them up? I don't know, but I don't think he he used him as much as he, sh- as he should. And, and the Packers have shown when they can't get a run game going, I mean, their receivers aren't there. The receivers aren't there. Devonte, ever since Devonte has come back, I don't know what what has happened. You thought, you know, they they looked really good when Devonte was out for those those few games. The Packers were focused on getting other people involved, but now that Devonte came back, it's kind of like they lost that. They lost mm-hmm. that extreme focus to try to get guys involved. And then when they do, they're not taking advantage. Geronimo Allison had a couple of drops. Jimmy Graham went back to dropping, you know, important catches. I don't know where MVS has gone, a guy mm-hmm. that the Packers had a lot of hope coming into the season to take the next step. He's been absolutely just nowhere to be found. Um, even Devontae Adams, he hasn't really been doing good. What happened last night, uh, earlier on in the game, the Packers got that first down early on in that first drive. Then there was a taunting call. Yep, a bad taunting a, a call. A bad taunting call. I, I mean, he kind of bumped chest with the defender. You mm-hmm. you see that every every time somebody gets tackled. Brought him back. They got behind the sticks, and then the Niners did what they they're good at. They could just pin their ears back, send those guys off the edge. You saw Aaron Rodgers fumbled, so they spot him seven points. And then now you're behind against a really good defensive team on the road, prime time. Obviously, they're they're fired up, and 
the Packers come out, they couldn't get anything going on the next drive, then San Fran goes up a couple scores, and now they're in a position where they're just kind of toying with them, where they can just drop, you know, send their defensive line, who was getting through all night. Aaron Rodgers was on his back so many times. Um, they did a good job not letting Aaron get out of the pocket and make plays, and even when he was able to, their secondary was able to just kind of sit back and just not let anything go over the top, keep them in front, and their linebackers did did what Green Bay's linebackers can't do. They were able to cover. So you saw Aaron get sacked a lot of the times. I think there were one for 15 on third down. Aaron Rodgers, I think, became the first quarterback since like 1950 to have 20-plus completions and only complete like 168 yards passing. Mm-hmm. You know, those are, those are historically bad numbers. Yeah. Um, so, it, I mean, it was just embarrassing. They got out-physicaled, out-coached. The defense looked pretty decent early on, but what happens when the defense has to keep coming out? They get tired, and then you saw those plays open up. Then you saw, obviously, Jimmy kind of get comfortable. You know, they were protecting him pretty well. He was able to kind of pick apart. Debo Samuel had a nice game. Emmanuel Sanders was there. Once in a while, he was open. And then George Kittle, who is coming off a broken ankle, is from what I hear, had an amazing game. So it's just standard. Um, it was a sad night. It was a sad night. Obviously, we watched the game together. You saw all the phases of me. I was hurt from the very beginning. It was really hard to watch. Um, and they, they laid an egg. So now you kind of go back to the drawing boards. They've only lost three games. They're eight and three, but two of those games, those losses were really bad. On the West Coast. On the West Coast, they just didn't show up. I don't know if it's like this false confidence where they're like they think they can just show up and, and beat teams, um, and, or something like that. But they just it's it's so scary to me as a fan. I'm all right if they went and lost three games, close games, um, you know. But they just couldn't get it done. You know, the other team just just beat them. But two of the games, they just didn't show up, and that's scary. You never want that. Um, and they just went up against the 49ers team last night. Their strengths were, were the Packers were weak. Their run defense, or, you know, their run, uh, their pass rush really good. The Packers couldn't block. The rush defense, Niners rush defense really good. The Packers couldn't run. You know, so it was just it was all bad. And then obviously the run. I mean, the Packers did a good job with the run game for the most part, but those long passes, the Kittle and et cetera, and just being behind, it was just too much. I don't know. I just came on here. You know, obviously I'm supposed to be here on Thursdays. I wanted to come here. I just had to vent a little bit. I just had to talk myself through this because, you know, last night that was really really bad. And, and do you feel better now? I feel a little better. Good. I feel a little better. Um, <laughs> so I appreciate you for letting me on. <laughs> obviously, as a Packer fan, that one hurt. Um, there were some calls that didn't go the Packers' way. I know I don't want to get into it with the referees as a Green Bay fan. Yeah, the Lions fans are calling. I know, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. I'm not trying to say the refs gave them that game, obviously, but there were some questionable calls and things like that. But it just wasn't the Packers' night, unfortunately. And now they're put in a position where they're tied with the Minnesota Vikings. I know you you told me you said that the season, you know, the the conference is going to, the division is going to come down to when they play. Uh, the Vikings on on the road, and, and it just very mellow. Mm-hmm. It, it might. The one thing I can say is Green Bay does have some pretty easy games coming up. They do. Some get-right games. They can't afford to lose any of those, mm-hmm. and then they got to just, you know, they got to take care of business against a Minnesota team who's really, really, really good. You know, they're similar to the Niners at home. You know, they can really jump on you and really bring it to you. You got to really be able to kind of counter-react something that they were, the Packers weren't able to, to do last night. What you're feeling right now is what I was feeling after the Notre Dame-Michigan game a few weeks ago. Notre Dame coming off a bye week. That was a game they went into thinking they could win. Two teams that you thought the programs were about the same place, and one just didn't show up. you got to give credit to the other one. But I'm going to help you find the silver lining in this one because I care about you. <laughs> Appreciate it. And as bad as you might feel today, just look on the bright side. Saturday, 
Michigan plays Ohio State, you'll probably feel a lot worse. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I get to look forward to that. Who knows, though? I mean, Michigan's been playing pretty good. I'm not, they have. You they know, have, in all, in all seriousness. In all seriousness, I mean, like, I feel a lot better than, you know, a few weeks ago when it just looked like Michigan was about to, to crumble mm-hmm. and just just totally lose it. Shea Patterson threw five touchdowns last game. He got four of the other. You know, they're playing like – their offense is looking like the way I thought I pictured it looking after that but, Notre Dame you know, game. It turned a corner, right? You know they have they have the talent, they have the receivers, they have six four, six three, six three, six six two. You know six foot receivers. They have big time receivers that they just couldn't get the ball. But I think Shea's figuring it out. I think they're more well balanced. Do I think they're going to beat Ohio State? I don't. I'm not going to get my hopes up because I just got let down so hard last night. But you know maybe I, I'd be feeling a lot better if Michigan could somehow sneak it out. You know who? Uh, didn't have a great day yesterday. Somebody else didn't have a great day, and that is New York, as in the officiating offices in New York, because officiating across the NFL was pretty bad yesterday. That phantom taunting call in the Packer game. I mean, again, you know, the Packers and the refs, we know how that relationship normally goes. Last night was bad. The Cowboys-Patriots game, the officials played a big role in that, and I'm not saying that they were necessarily wrong most of the time but uh that tripping call on travis frederick i i don't know about that i i really don't and then uh offensive pass interference okay this was the right call the offensive pass interference that they reviewed they determined there was offensive pass interference uh during the saints and panthers game and that call went against the saints a call that's only been called six times this year since they put that in it's got a really poor success rate and yet that call did go against the Saints, and it was the right call. But at the same time, there were a few others that they missed. It just wasn't a great day yesterday for NFL officials. No, and, and yeah, it's kind of, it's it's not funny, but it, it's, it's, it made you giggle that it kind of went against the Saints mm-hmm. when it all, this whole replay thing all derived from when the Saints got kind of hosed there against the Rams. But, um, you know, it was the right call. I just want to see more consistency. I mean, yeah. there's there's been plays where... You know, it's much more blatant, and it doesn't get called. You just never know. You can sit there as a coach and be like, this is a guaranteed reversal. And I've been sitting at home where it's like, there's no way this doesn't get reversed. Mm-hmm. And then they just don't reverse it for some reason. And and then obviously last night it was kind of like a thing where it's like, all right, I mean, I can see where, you know, why they're challenging it, but I just don't think from what we saw previously they just won't do it because mm-hmm. – they just never really return it, and then they did. It was just, it was weird. That tripping call with the, you know, was it tripping? I don't really know. Mm-hmm. I feel like that happens almost every play where, you know, the, the defender, I guess he was beat a little bit. Yep. We're trying to stick out his leg and things, but um, you could call that a lot. Yeah. So it's just consistency. Like, where do these refs, when do they decide, like, just today I'm just going to call, you know? Or maybe just... I won't call it this play, but if it happens again, now I'll throw it. You know what I mean? It's just you, it just seems like they're picking and choosing, and they're just not they're not consistent. And and yeah, obviously NFL officiating has been in question a lot, especially you know this season and in prior seasons recently. And um, I think the NFL has a really big issue that they're not really trying to address. I mean, people can see it; mm-hmm. all the fans can see it. You know, you got um, national analysts and things talking about just how bad it is on social media and and going out of the way to be like this is not great and it's it's hurting a lot it's, it's hurting every single team obviously um and you know they got to find a way to just be more consistent across the board i don't know how they're going to do that um but it's it's got to change because yeah i mean for fans of teams who are teams are just losing because of certain calls it, it's not it's not fun 
We're going to get to the Lions and the rest of the NFL and what happened yesterday in the next segment, but I want to give Dallas fans, if we have any Dallas sports fans listening, a little bit of optimism, some reason for hope, something to be happy about, and we got to pivot to basketball just briefly for it because our stat of the day is this. Last night, Luka Doncic torched the Rockets for 41. He's now played 80 career games. In that time, he has now scored more than Kobe Bryant in his first 80 games. He has more rebounds than Kevin Garnett in his first 80 games and more assists than LeBron in his first 80 games. So if there's any reason for Dallas sports fans to be optimistic, that would be it. Luka Doncic, that's going to be your hero. Yeah, I mean, at least they got... They <laughs> and got, the stars are playing good? Yeah. yeah. Dallas fans got a little reason to be excited about something. I mean, even even the you know the Dallas Cowboy fans, you got to be... I mean, their loss is a lot better than what happened to Green Bay. Mm-hmm. At least they were in the game. Um, there was weather, obviously, was a big issue and things, but they were in the game. They played a, a team in the New England Patriots who, obviously, they're the kind of the cream of the crop on the road, and they, they gave them a battle. I mean, they only lost by you know less than one score, um, and they've been underperforming. They're still ahead in their division. Obviously, Philly lost, um, and they just really got to sneak into the playoffs. If they can sneak in the playoffs, you know, that's a team that could, could do some damage if they, mm-hmm. they figure it out. They have the talent. They need to figure it out. Jason Garrett needs to figure it out. And that's the other thing you could be optimistic about if you're a Dallas sports fan. Jerry Jones finally showing frustration at Jason Garrett. Maybe this is the year. Yeah, maybe it's the year. I, I, I always said if they could get Jason Garrett out of there and get someone with a kind of a new a new vision, you know, a new offense, maybe not necessarily a new offense, just, mm-hmm. just a, a new set of eyes and a new set of a new mind to kind of work with what they got there because they have the talent. Mm-hmm. They just need to do a better job putting that those – players in a better position to succeed um shout out Luka Doncic though mm-hmm. I mean um that's a kid that's been playing professionally for a, a while before he even got drafted um he's just a he's a, a sensation I mean Dallas hit a home run you know they got they got Dirk for all those years 20 plus years and now they get Luka and, mm-hmm. and that I mean as a Dallas if you're a Dallas Mavericks fan you got to just be super pumped he's 20 years old and he's already been playing pro basketball seven years <laughs> think about that his time in Europe before yeah. coming to the NBA that's insane and and I, the numbers he's putting up now and I remember him you know before the draft before he got drafted a lot of scouts and, and people were saying they were kind of afraid of just his af- pure athleticism. Mm-hmm. He's not the fastest guy, you know. Defensively, they were kind of questioning could he stay in front of some of the better athletes like a Russell Westbrook, etc. But I think they kind of just overlooked the intangibles that he brings. And I mean, I don't think anyone really saw what he's doing. I don't think anyone could have really predicted. Mm-hmm. Obviously, we knew he was a good player. We knew he had potential and he could do a lot of great things. But for him to come in and, and kind of just do what he's I, he does magical things. Yeah. Things you're just like, your, your jaw kind of drops on the floor. Things that not a lot of people can do, and he does it on a nightly basis. Um, I don't think anyone could have expected what he is today. It is going to be fun to see how this season transpires for him because we potentially will have a two man MVP race between Luka and Giannis. The top two players in the NBA this year very likely are both going to come from Europe. And you wonder, you know, it's always kind of a mystery. It's a crapshoot in a way trying to scout talent from Europe because you wonder they don't see the best athletes in the world at any level over there they're all over in America which is the right guy for you to take and I know there were a lot of Bucks fans that were skeptical about the Giannis pick and there were certainly a lot of Mavericks fans who weren't sure about Luka Doncic 
well, forever in Luca, there's there's a Darko <laughs> waiting in the wings. You know what I mean? So yeah, I mean it is very hard because these players coming from Europe, they're they're taking a different path. Mm-hmm. You know, Luca's been playing professionally against you know much older competition for seven plus years, um, and that's definitely helped him develop. Um, obviously, it takes it's it's the development of the player. You know, getting that experience against professionals, he was able to kind of come over to the U.S. and and not be timid, not be you know not confident. He he came in with confidence, knowing he's been playing. You know, he's been on the top. So um, some players just have it, and then you know they they get they get the development they need early on, and and it all just comes together. Um, it's, it's exciting for me. You know, I like seeing uh, I like seeing a, a Giannis atop his game, a Luca. I'm hoping uh, uh, what's his name who just got drafted in the Pistons, Dembouye. Mm-hmm. I don't know where he's been. Where's he been at? <laughs> we got Luca coming. Where's Where's this guy coming? Where's this guy? Um, so hopefully he can get, he can develop too. But I, I like it. I like it, man. Different skill sets, obviously, a lot more skilled players coming from Europe, and and it's only good for the NBA to get mm-hmm. get Europeans in into the league and, and have them succeed. Danner Hoops, Jake Durant with you. Let's take our first time out. When we come back, we'll go through the NFL Sunday game by game next on ESPN-UP. Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen. Weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN-UP and on the ESPN-UP app. Danner Hoops, Jake Durant with you. Glad you're along this Monday afternoon, Monday of Thanksgiving week, Turkey Day, and we've got inclement weather coming up as we get how about this for thanksgiving week jake we're having it late in the year it seems like i get it you know why they have to have it late in the year you know that's tradition i guess but we're having it late in the year so we're going to get inclement weather and none of those football games make me excited like there's no good football game that i might end up watching the egg bowl Ole miss and mississippi state I mean, yeah, at least there's a rivalry there and, and things like that. I don't know if it's a good rivalry. It's not a good rivalry, <laughs> rivalry but at least there's there's some sort of excitement there. But, yeah, I mean, the slate, it's not looking good. No. It's not looking good. What we got, the Detroit, Detroit-Chicago? Detroit got Detroit-Chicago to start things off. I'm, I'm guessing Matt Stafford's not going to play. Matt Stafford, no, we're going to get Mitch Trubisky and Jeff Driscoll while we're all washing down Great. our ham and stuffing. Great, that's going to be good. Can't so, wait. Um, Nothing really excites me. Excites me about that game, just because obviously Matt Stafford's not mm-hmm. playing. Detroit. Um, it seems like that that debacle against Green Bay that was kind of the turning point. It really halted their season, and ever since then, mm-hmm. it just seems like bad things have happened to that franchise. So they're sitting at three and seven. Obviously, they're not really in in the playoff race. Are they going to try to tank a little bit, get a top five pick? Mm-hmm. Might not be bad for them. Um, we'll see what happens. Chicago, same yeah. thing. Just just mediocre just a mediocre game so yeah nothing really excites me about that game i probably won't tune in too much bills cowboys could be good i think that'll be good could i, I think good. that'll be the best game it's out of the potential. slate um i think it's at dallas buffalo they're they're a good team mm-hmm. they're a good team dallas still fighting for first place in that division i think they you know they need to come out on top to get eight in the and eight can win that division eight and eight can win that division if they can they can hold serve against a, a buffalo team who their defense is really good. Yeah. You know they've been doing enough to win games, and and you got to give them credit. Josh Allen is is doing what he's he, getting better. He's getting better. You know he's he's a tough he's a tough guard just because he's he's a lot more athletic and fast than I think people people give him credit for. And he kind of catches people off guard with his rushing ability when things break down. Um, I don't know how much good you know how well his protection has been, but when he does. When things do break down, he's able to get out of the pocket and run. So, you know, he brings a lot of different different threats onto the field. So I think that'll be a good game. I think Dallas is in desperate need of a win. Mm-hmm. And I think Buffalo wants to come in and, and on a national stage kind of 
make people realize, hey, we're we're a good team and, and keep your eye out for us. Night game, New Orleans and Atlanta, two teams that didn't play very well yesterday. Mm-hmm. The thing is, when one of them doesn't play very well, they can still win games. When Atlanta doesn't play very well, they get blown out by Jameis Winston. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, in the beginning of the season, if you looked at the slate, you'd be like, this game is going to be great yeah. because you thought Atlanta would be better. But, I mean, Atlanta beat the Saints earlier on in mm-hmm. the season. It was kind of a surprise win. So, um, obviously, in the NFC, the, the top of the NFC is really is really tight. You know, there's top teams are separated by a game or two. It'd be nice if Atlanta could go in there. I'll be rooting for the Falcons, obviously, mm-hmm. to, to beat the Saints. Um, I think the Saints are fun to watch. I, I would I would tune into that one just because I really I'm a huge fan of Mike Thomas. I think he's a beast. He's on my fantasy team. Um, he's one of the few Ohio State players I can root for. Well, I tell you what, let's go through the games one by one from yesterday and what stuck out to us. And let's start with the Falcons, the Buccaneers. Tampa Bay wins at 35-22. Jameis Winston is still who we thought he was. The thing is, we just the stats have more volume because he's throwing it up there a lot more. Tampa Bay get the uh, gets the win yesterday. Atlanta just I don't know what the problem is with them this year. Their secondary is terrible. It is. I'll start with that. Um, Chris Chris Godwin, Mike Evans, those are two tough covers for any team. Mm-hmm. But um, for Jameis, I mean, really, you just got to drive back and toss it up. Yeah. I don't know why he wouldn't just toss it up to Mike Evans every chance he gets. Um, Jameis is just so inconsistent, and he he can really play very bad, and sometimes he can play decent. I think you kind of know what you're getting out of him. Is he a starter? He's, he can play mm. good enough as a starter, but he's not gonna know. he's not gonna be consistent enough. You know, if you're Tampa, you you still need a, a, a quarterback. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's he's decent here and there, but he's just he's just too inconsistent. Turns the ball over way too much, and and um, I think it's just a matter of time before he's gone. Um, but Atlanta, man, for for the expectations that they had coming into the season, Matt Ryan, Julio Jones, mm-hmm. Calvin Ridley, that offense is loaded. You thought that defense has just been so bad, and it's, it's surprising under under the guidance of Dan Quinn. Yep. I, I respect Dan Quinn in, in his mind on the defensive side. Yeah. You know that has to hurt him knowing that the weak part of your team is is the defense. I do think Dan Quinn needs to get fired, needs to leave Atlanta. That's not to say he's a bad coach. I really think Dan Quinn is a really good coach. I think if he wants a job next year in the NFL, he'll have it. Some places just aren't good fits for some guys, and I don't think Atlanta's a good fit for Dan Quinn anymore. Yeah, I mean, you saw him when he first got hired. He was able to, you know, obviously bring that team to a Super Bowl. They should have won a Super Bowl Mm -hmm. under him. Um, And and ever since then, you know, they haven't been able to kind of recover from an epic loss in the biggest game that they could have played. So, um, yeah, I mean, sometimes it's just not there. Um, it's hard to recover from a crushing loss like that. That could really just destroy all the momentum you have um, because after that, then you kind of have, you know, that hangover, and then now you're starting to deal with injuries, and then players are getting traded. Players want to get out of there. I think Dan Quinn, if he wanted to obviously get a job as a coordinator, I think that would be the best fit where you can just focus on one group mm-hmm. um, because, yeah, I mean, he inherited a really good roster, and ever since then, it slowly kind of has been crumbling. Mm-hmm. So, you know, maybe he's just not as good of a coach as uh, as we thought. I think he's a great coordinator. Some guys are better coordinators. Um, so, I would definitely think somebody would pick him up. I mean, he was responsible for the, all that success in Seattle, and, mm-hmm. and that defense for what it was when he first got there was really good. So, um, I think if he has the players, he can really scheme and, and do good things. Last thought on this game before we move on. You mentioned Chris Godwin, Mike Evans. There's a serious conversation that we can have. Is that the best receiver duo in the NFL? I'm not sure if they are yet. But you wonder if they had Jameis, or they had somebody other than Jameis Winston, how good that group really could be. Here's your co-stat of the day, along with the Lucas staff in the first segment. 
right now the top four receivers in terms of receiving yards in the NFL are Michael Thomas, the aforementioned Buccaneer duo with Evans and Godwin, and then Julio Jones is number four. If that holds and they finish in those spots, it would be the first time since the merger in 1970 that the top four receivers in terms of receiving yards all come from the same division. Mm. How about that? That's insane. <laughs> it's insane. You know, secondaries in that division are you mm. know, the, the teams are going to be drafting some some defensive backs. But um, I mean, Tampa Bay—they're kind of. You know they're not really a team that a lot of people like to focus on. They don't mm-hmm. really get primetime games. Um, Bruce Arians is a great coach. I think he's you know done a good job down there for what what he inherited. Um, that's that's special though. Mm-hmm. I mean Godwin. I didn't expect him to be as good as he is mm-hmm. when he got drafted by that team. I thought he could be decent, and I know Tampa Bay was high on him. But I mean he's he's arguably their best receiver now. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're talking about Mike Evans, who ever since he's come in the league has gotten thousand yard seasons, thousand yard seasons, and obviously been playing with Jameis Winston, who, you know, at any <laughs> given moment can implode, and they're still putting up decent numbers. So, um, shout out to to Tampa Bay and what they're doing down there. The Bills took down Denver twenty to three yesterday. Josh Allen continues to get better before our eyes, and they're quiet eight and three. Buffalo is yeah. And you got to remember, they did they did play New England very tough when mm-hmm. they played them in, in one of their three losses. So um, this is a team that's kind of getting overlooked right now. I think people are sleeping on them a little bit. Um, eight and three, you got to you got to be doing something right to be going eight and three. I don't care who you're playing. Um, so shout out to Buffalo. I know they got a really good defense. Um, Frank Gore is still running the ball. <laughs> I don't know how this guy is insane. He's not human. Um, like you said, Josh Allen has been. You know, doing decent. He's been, you know, doing nothing crazy. I don't really know who they got at receiver. They just got a lot of solid guys. I know John Brown, Beasley, etc. Um, so it would be interesting to see. I, I'm, I'm not, I'm not saying I don't think Buffalo can make like noise in the playoffs, but uh, you know, they potentially could, could do some damage. Frank Gore moving to third all time in the career rushing list, passing Barry Sanders yesterday. You wonder if Barry Sanders played longer, where he could have ended up if his number career one. wasn't cut short. Very well, could have been number one. The bigger question might be: Is Frank Gore a Hall of Famer, though? You got to put him in there. Yeah. I mean, if uh, they brought up the graphic last night, you saw Barry. You saw uh-huh. um, he was just in an epic company when mm-hmm. you talk about most rush yards. Some, sometimes you know you're just not on that team, that mm-hmm. team that could really get it done. But personally, you know he's he's been consistent. Obviously, he's been playing a long time. Mm-hmm. He's just been a problem. He's been a problem, and, and he you know what you're going to get from this guy. He's going to run hard. Um, and for him to be able to kind of stay healthy enough to and, and to have that fire to continue to do what he does, because as a running back, you're just getting beat up. You know what I mean? And for him to be able to stay healthy enough and mentally be in it as long as he has and just cons- to be consistent. I mean, the numbers don't lie. And I know he's very vocal saying he deserves to be in in the Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't think there's a question. I think he's a Hall of Famer, 100%. A 15-year running back career. That's just insane. And 3.8 yards a carry. A productive long career for yeah. a running back. And then for me, it's it's almost like I hope he's, you know, afterwards he can live a healthy life. Because mm-hmm. 15 years as a running back, man, that's insane. That's unheard of. That's unheard of. <laughs> the Bears take down the Giants 19-14 to yesterday. That was a game that I did waste an afternoon watching. It was as bad as yeah. advertised. Yeah, I mean, it was ugly win for Chicago. Chicago can't win pretty. No. Um, Matt Nagy still doesn't understand that you need to run the ball. Oh, my gosh. Um, what is so hard to understand about that? I don't get it. I just don't get it. I, he doesn't run the ball. He doesn't run the ball. He, he, he 
makes his offense be one-dimensional. And when you have a guy like Trubisky who can't really throw it consistently, it just doesn't make sense. They did enough to get the win. Obviously, that defense um, played well enough, and, and they got enough plays to where they were able to outscore New York. But, I mean, if you're a Chicago fan, even in, in victory, you can't feel great. It just doesn't look good. The Steelers, 16-10 to winners over the Bengals. Devlin Hodges, he gets to come in relief of Mason Rudolph. And the Duck was quacking. He was performing, albeit against the Bengals, but he didn't look too bad. Is there a real quarterback controversy in Pittsburgh, you think? I don't think there's a quarterback in Pittsburgh at all. I mean, they, they, they're, get, they're getting by. <laughs> hey, don't disrespect the Duck. <laughs> hey, they're getting by. They're doing what they got to do. Obviously, they're hoping Big Ben comes back. I'm mm-hmm. thinking they're going to be drafting somebody. I don't think they have their quarterback of the future on their roster. Um, is it safe to say that Cincinnati is going to go 0-16? I, I don't know. I didn't think they'd be this bad. I mean, I think their best opportunity might have been last going up against Hodges. Could have been. Um, they're really bad. How Cincinnati. is Pittsburgh 5-6? and six? I don't know. It's it, <laughs> ever, I mean, that Minka Fitzpatrick trade yes. really... Really? I'm sorry, they're they're six and five. Yeah, I mean that Minka Fitzpatrick trade. I mean Pittsburgh's always been known to have a really good defense under Mike Tomlin, but he really came in and um, he got out of Miami and, and really lived up to his potential. You know, Mike or Nick Saban said he might be the most talented player he's ever had, um, and he's just a smart football player. I think he was a big reason who you know they kind of turned that defense around and they did enough on offense, so they've been able to win. Obviously, I don't know if they really had tough competition, but mm. they did enough. I'm not sure that the Bengals have the quarterback of the future on the roster either. They announced today Andy Dalton will be the starter again. It was just about evaluation starting Ryan Finley, and apparently they saw enough, they saw what they needed to, and they decided this probably isn't the guy going forward. Yeah, I think uh, you're going to see Joe Burrow kind of mm. run that Cincy, that Cincy offense uh, come as soon as next year. Uh, we might see Andy Dalton come in and, and make some plays. Mm-hmm. I mean, he, he is a veteran, and at times he has played well. Who knows? Maybe he'll come in and make some plays. But I think um, they're over that, that phase, and I think Joe Burrow's headed to Cincinnati. If I were to tell you that the quarterback with the best QBR yesterday was Baker Mayfield, would that surprise you? It wouldn't surprise me. Just he looked because good. He looked good. And, and it, you know, that talent, they have talent there in Cleveland. Mm-hmm. You know they, they were they were a trendy Super Bowl pick to start the year, and obviously things haven't gone gone their way. But they, I mean Baker, it's not like he's lacking weapons; mm-hmm. he's lacking protection. Yeah. But when they can protect him a little bit, finally Odell, you saw Odell get out there and make yep. some plays, and and you kind of saw what they could be. It's all about protecting Baker and making sure he's comfortable, and he, him not running around crazy and and making mistakes and trying to do too much. And when he has time back in in the pocket and can really you know, sit there and kind of go through his reads. He can do damage. Um, they just got to be more consistent with it. I think it was, I, I, I said before, that it was just a matter of time before they kind of started clicking a little bit, and I think we saw a little bit uh, yesterday. Odell and Jarvis Landry, big days yesterday as the Browns beat the Dolphins 41-24. Are the Dolphins going to sneak in? I'm, I'm sorry, the, we know they're not sneaking in. Are the Browns going to sneak in? Suddenly they're 5-6. and six. Yeah. I could definitely see them kind of sneak in. I still don't see it. You don't see it? I don't see it. Still. I mean, if they, I, I wouldn't want to play them in the playoffs. I wouldn't want to, you know, but I think that they're in too big of a hole. They might they're, be. They, I, that's kind of where I'm at. Yeah, they might be. I think they'll be right right there. Um, they possibly could. I think it's right now it's 50-50. But like I said, if, if you're a team, I wouldn't want to see a team like as talented like that because who knows, they could really just have a, a game of their, of their year, the best game they've played, and you could be saying goodbye early in the playoffs.
Let's sneak one more in here before we got to take a break. And I said we'd get to the Lions this segment. Let's do that now. The Redskins 1916 over the Lions yesterday. I went and I saw my chiropractor today. Shout out to Dr. Mike. He was kind enough to get me in because I've been experiencing hip pain. I thought he was going to, like, you know, help me pop him back in or something. Turns out that I strained or sprained something like hip muscles like in the it's like a hip flexor no it's like the quad muscles that connect to the ball and socket or whatever turned out i sprained that when i slipped on the ice friday outside the office here so that's fun but dr mike had his chance to get his feelings about the lions off the off his chest because he's a diehard lions fan and he just can't stand what's going on with this team and i'm sure a lot of lions fans feel the same way there's just no hope no optimism for that team anymore and you know the it starts at the top, and the Ford family is never going to sell the Lions. That's a reality. But I'm not sure that the Lions are ever going to get out of this funk with the Ford family running operations. I don't know that Patricia's the answer there. I think uh, less of him as the Lions head coach every week. I don't know that he's going to be gone after this year, though. I don't know that Quinn's going to be gone. I still think they should have made a, a move uh, potentially for Slay. Like, they got rid of Quandre Diggs at the trade deadline. Slay's past 30 years old. And his production is, it's still pretty good. It's still, you know, where you could get some value back for him. But it is declining, you know, as he starts to get up there in age. He's got a skill set that doesn't age well. I just don't understand what the Lions are doing. I don't think they know what they no, want to be not. going forward. No, they they, they don't. They're walking the, the line, you know. They're, you know, they're showing signs of trying to, you know, pack it in and selling. And then they, they keep Slay, who, like you said, you're not going to get a better deal, mm-hmm. you know, from from here on out, it's only going to go down. Mm-hmm. You should have got got it when it, the getting was hot. Um, but yeah, I mean, the management, you know, the ownership doesn't care when if they win or lose. Um, the coaching staff, Patricia has made some question. He, you know, he's kind of touted as this genius mind mm-hmm. and things like that. But he, there's been some questionable calls that he's made, some timeouts. You know, just coaching things. Not helping your team win at all. As a coach, you don't want to be the reason why you're losing games. Mm-hmm. And sometimes he makes some pretty poor decisions. Obviously, Stafford's going out. He's kind of the heartbeat of that team. And with him being injured, there's just no hope. There's no hope. You know, like I said, I feel like the turning point was that Green Bay game when, when you know, Green Bay kind of got gifted a, a win mm-hmm. because of some questionable calls, um, very blatant questionable calls that went against Detroit. And even as a Green Bay fan, I gotta, I gotta say it was, it wasn't right. Um, and ever since then, I don't think they've really been able to bounce back. Um, and then obviously that Kansas City loss right mm-hmm. after that um, against a, a team with with their star quarterback and Pat Mahomes. They almost had that would have been a really good win and a kind of like a we're here win, and they, they weren't able to get it done. Um, I don't really know the answer there. You know, I, I, I'm on social media. I'm friends with a lot of Lions fans, and um, as, as expected, and I don't blame them, they're disgusted. Mm-hmm. They don't want to watch games anymore. They don't want to give the team money anymore. They definitely don't want to be buying tickets. They want to see change. I think you got to – I know it. I know it sounds crazy, but you got you might have to get rid of Patricia and start over once mm-hmm. again. Get rid of some of that aging talent, and you know, like I said, potential drop, top five pick this season. You know, Matt Stafford's still there; he's aging. Is is he the guy you want to just keep in in town and just watch him fade off into the sunset? And, and there's no win? reason for him to take another snap this year, right? Yeah, there's just no reason. Or do you want to see if maybe you could get rid of him and, and get some capital as well? Um, obviously, he's kind of been the only bright spot for Detroit. So obviously, team, you know, fans don't want to see him move on. But 
Um, it's 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 going to be it's going to be interesting to see the the route they take. I think they're kind of too far over the hill. I think they need to you need to you know, trade some of their assets, get rid of some guys, and just start completely brand new. I, I know Lions fans don't want to see it because they felt they were right there. Mm-hmm. They felt they were a playoff team and they felt they could make noise. But I think it's just, it's gone south way too far. Real quick before we go to the break, congrats to Dwayne Haskins on his first career victory as an NFL starting quarterback. But regardless of that and what happened before, technically the game was over, where the game's still going on, finishing up, and he's taking selfies with fans in the stands. I mean, that's a terrible look. He claims that he didn't know the game was over. Yeah, okay. Regardless of all that, he's still not ready. He's just not ready. No, I mean, he's in a really tough situation. Um, a lot of holes on that roster. He's not really getting protected. I don't, you know, he doesn't really have any weapons. The running game's just so-so. Mm-hmm. Um, not a good situation. You saw, you see, really talented players go into situations and really, um, you know, lose their confidence, and they are not really able to reach that potential that they had entering the league. You hope that's not the case. Um, there's just so much going on in Washington. The fact that he was able to go out and get a win is, is you know, very, very good on his part. Um, like you said, still a little bit immature. He's still a young quarterback. Um, you just hope that they can get that figured out before he loses that confidence and just becomes a shell of himself. If he gets beat up too much, um, you know, if he if he starts feeling like maybe he can't read these defenses because he doesn't have protection, you know, it's just it's just not a good situation, even in win, even in victory. So um, I'm not a huge Ohio State fan, but I'm wishing him the best luck. Tanner Hoops, Jake Durant with you. Let's take a timeout. We'll finish off yesterday's slate of games next on ESPN-UP. Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen. Weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN-UP and on the ESPN-UP app. The Sports Pen on ESPN-UP. Tanner Hoops, Jake Durant with you. Glad you're along. Here's your Sports Center update. According to Fox Sports, they have already sold out every commercial slot for the upcoming Super Bowl. This is the earliest that the Super Bowl commercial spots have been filled and sold out since 2011. This weekend, Simpson College defeated Greenville 161-160 to in the highest scoring men's basketball game in Division Three history. How about that? 161 to 160. It's crazy. Obviously, basketball, the trend is offense now. Defense Mm -hmm. isn't as important. Um, You see it in the NBA level and all the way down. So it is very impressive, but at the same time, I don't think defense is as valuable of a skill these days. But shout out to those two teams. Anytime you put up 160 points, that's something to be proud of. It was two years ago today that my college actually played Greenville and set the school record for scoring in a game because Greenville is one of those teams that runs a Grinnell style, and they will just chuck up three-pointers all they do. But shout out Simpson College, another Iowa school, friend of mine. Yeah. Playing on that team, played part in that game. What about that dude uh, who just... Jack Taylor. You already know what I'm talking Seven about. Seven years ago at Grinnell College yeah, in Grinnell, Iowa. He dropped like 138 points. Mm-hmm. That's insane. I've called games in that gym. Wow. It's a, it's a it's pretty historic there. You just go in there, and for a small-town Iowa college, yeah. there's a lot of history there. Wow. That's, yeah, that's I mean, that's mind-blowing. And finally, a group of Israeli and Australian scientists conducted an experiment in which they found that putting Viagra in a flower vase will make your flowers stand up taller and longer. How about that? I think Viagra has something on their hands now. They can kind of move into the planting, the gardening industry. That is an old-timer for the updates. That is perfect that Viagra even works on plants. So you want your plants to last longer, be taller, straighter, more upright? Put some Viagra in the vase. Why not? (laughs) It barely works. (laughs) 
<laughs> Tanner and Jake with you. Glad that you're along. Let's keep breaking down NFL games from yesterday. The Jets shocked the nation. Actually looked fairly good. Adam Gase looked fairly good yesterday. And the Oakland Raiders did not. 34-3. to The Jets just dominated team in the playoff hunt. Yeah, that was the most surprising game, I think, on the whole slate prior to the Packers game last night. I mean, for a team in Oakland who has a lot to play for, they're in the hunt in the playoff race. Um, you know, they're they're trying to keep up with the Kansas City Chiefs and et cetera. And for them to go into New York against a New York team, Jets team that that was struggling, had a lot of a lot of issues. Obviously, haven't hasn't had the best season. I mean, I saw that score and I was like, what what mm. happened? Did Derek Carr get injured? Did something he got totally, benched? Yeah, did something? But we've seen Derek Carr play like that. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's the thing. And I don't know if because John Gruden's you know, if Derek Carr is John Gruden's quarterback um, of the future. I don't know if, if he views it that way. Um, we'll see what happens. You know, sometimes Oakland, you know, obviously with Mike Mayock and company, they can do things that, that surprise some people, but we'll see We'll see what happens. That's a huge loss for Oakland and, and one that, uh, you know, you heard John Gruden speak after the game. He said that was just unacceptable. Mm-hmm. It's unacceptable. Same thing, similar to what happened with Green Bay. I mean, just, just coming out and just not showing up against a team you should beat. I mean, I with Oakland, they should have beat them. Yeah, um, Just unacceptable. With Carr, he may not be the quarterback of the future in Oakland, but it's not Mike Glennon and it's not Deshaun Kaiser. It's not anybody on that yeah. roster right now. So they may be a team that could be hitting the draft board for a quarterback. Who else do we have yesterday? We had the Seahawks take down the Eagles 17-9. to we got to start rethinking Carson Wentz and where he stands as far as quarterbacks right. go. Right, and, and you know, and I've said this multiple times on this this broadcast before, for a quarterback to really, um, in my eyes, put himself in, in an elite category, I have to see it for at mm-hmm. least four years. We've seen quarterbacks come in for a year or two and, and really play well um, and then fan out. You talk about Robert Griffin, Marcus Mariota is a, a guy who a lot of people are high on and things like that, but they just they just can't do it for more than a couple years. Carson Wentz is one of those guys. He has played well. He had that one MVP season, but he's been injured. And he, we haven't seen it enough consistently. And, you know, people are talking about this guy being, you know, one of the best quarterbacks in the league. And, and he very well well could still potentially be that. But um, I just didn't see, think we had the sample size for mm-hmm. Carson to kind of group him in that category. And he just looked bad. He looked real bad. And um, for a Philly team who's trying to keep up with Dallas, I mean, you got to be concerned. Um, right now after that that debacle there is a bigger story there an underlying issue regarding eagles offensive lineman brandon brooks i'm going to get into that tomorrow during the show due to lack of time let's keep on moving thankfully for the eagles the cowboys lost yesterday to 13 to 9 although i think it'd be very easy to say in fact i think it's truth dak prescott outplayed tom brady yesterday Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, Dak made some throws. Uh, like I said, the weather, it wasn't great. Obviously, mm-hmm. it was raining, and and um, for Dak to be able to go out there and still kind of, you know, he has a really good offensive line. He has a, a, has a run game that's threatening. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as I know, Michael Gallup's a stud. He's been playing really well, and Amari Cooper is, is a stud. And he didn't um, have a catch yesterday. He didn't, he didn't have a catch. You know, you got to start giving Dak, Dak credit. Mm-hmm. He's the only one. He's the only player on that Cowboys team. A very talented roster. You look at that roster, top to bottom, that roster is probably one of the best. If There's not the no best. they're not talented. Yeah, you know, yeah. they have stars at every level. They just haven't lived up to, and that's where I go back to Jason Garrett, yep. not getting enough out of his players and why he needs to be gone out mm-hmm. of there, and they need to bring someone in who can, really you know take take control and and bring out the potential that all those players have but i mean he's Dak's the only player he didn't get paid this offseason mm-hmm. you know he obviously you know he wants the the contract but he's the only one that's been consistent he's he's played at a mvp type level 
you know, throwing for a lot of yards, doing what he has to do, and I, you know, I don't think he gets enough credit. But again, last night, another example, he played really well going up against a defense that has been historically dominant this mm-hmm. season and he was making plays didn't make enough plays but like i said they were in that game they played him tough and and you got to be feeling good that you were able to go into foxborough and at least make it a game for four quarters the tennessee titans make a statement taking down jacksonville 42 to 20 i don't want to be that guy who says it is time to put garner Minshew back as the qb1 of the depth chart so I'm going to have you say it, Jake, because it is pretty obvious to everybody. Yeah, I mean, Nick Foles Nick, is that's not a, that was a bad signing. He, he has a terrible contract. Um, why would you not? This is a perfect opportunity to, to bench Nick Foles and, and have a reason to try to get him out of there mm-hmm. um, because it is a bad contract. And, and Gardner Minshew, I know you're high on him, and he's shown he can play. I mean, for what he's getting paid, um, you know, that's worth what he's doing. Mm-hmm. It's not Nick Foles isn't playing to where, you know, he's not playing up to the contract. No. So, I don't know, against a, a Tennessee team that's not had the best year. Um, they've had quarterback issues themselves, but Ryan Tannehill's been looking like he has Ryan resurgence. Ryan Tannehill has looked pretty like, good what, this year. What's going on there, you know? And Ryan Ta- Tannehill has had, he has talent, obviously. Mm-hmm. He's had good moments when he was down there in Miami. Um, but you put a defense around him and give him a few weapons and a team that can run the ball and things like that, and he's looked pretty good. So shout out Ryan Tannehill. Um, if you're Jacksonville, I don't see why not. You put Gardner in there and then try to do something with Foles because that contract's terrible, and he's not going to play as well as you, you know, up to the, the how much you're paying him. And you're still in the playoff race. Mm-hmm. You still got a shot. Put in the quarterback who's proven that he's been the better option this year for you. That AFC South is just ridiculous. It's so like, they just be, It is the Pac-12 of the NFL because all they do is beat up on each other and they're not going to produce anybody who's going to do anything in the playoff. They are the Pac-12 of the NFL. And I'm sorry, this has always bothered me. Why is Indianapolis in the South? What is Indy exactly south of? Why is Indianapolis in the AFC South? I, I honestly just feel like at some point, they're like, we need another team in this division, so we're going to throw them in. Would it not make more sense to put Indy in the east and move Miami to the south? Wouldn't competition be better if they did that? That, I mean, I would think that'd yeah, be a that's an argument. Better. Yeah, that would yeah. be, be a good argument. Yeah, I don't, I don't get it. Well, we had that game, and then, of course, we talked about San Fran's 37-8 win over Green Bay. So let's take our last time out. We'll come back. We'll play over-under to finish out the day. Next on ESPN-UP. Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen. Weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN-UP and on the ESPN-UP app. We are behind schedule this Monday afternoon. Normally, this is where I would jump right into our app plug and get into playing over under. I do want to mention this, though, and I'm going to go in-depth with this tomorrow because I have a guest coming on who's very well-versed in it. Last night, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers defeated the Hamilton Tiger Cats to win the 107th Annual Grey Cup, the Canadian Football League Championship. With that, a super fan for the Bombers. He's, uh, well, Ryan Stieg brought this up here a couple of weeks ago. He made a pact that until Winnipeg wins another Grey Cup, he will not wear pants. He can wear shorts. He can wear anything but pants. And the Bombers finally won the Grey Cup. And again, we're going to get into this tomorrow. I've got one of the uh, Bombers writers coming on the show with me tomorrow, and we'll talk about the Grey Cup and break that down. But shout out to that Winnipeg citizen. He can finally, for the first time in 18 years, wear pants. He hasn't been wearing pants for 18 years? In Winnipeg. He's been wearing shorts at most. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) 
I mean, he probably feels like a new person. Um, did did get to watch just a little bit of that. I didn't focus. I wasn't really too focused on it. Obviously, the timing wasn't there. Um, Canadian football just just strikes me as so odd. It's fascinating. Um, you know how the receivers get like a head start and and the the goalpost being up in front. It's just it's just insane. Um, and it's just hard to believe that you know there's diehards of teams. Not in the NFL to me, you know what I mean? Because I'm so focused on the NFL. It's like, wow, there's people who actually really do care yep. about the Canadian Football League like that. Um, obviously, the Canadian Football League, it, it's it's been able to kind of stay alive, mm-hmm. and, and it gives a good opportunity for players who, you know, don't make it on an NFL roster to go up there and, and prove themselves. Um, obviously, Marcus Tucker was on the the Hamilton team last night, a former NFL or enemy wide receiver. Mm-hmm. Played a little bit for the Pittsburgh Steelers, so shout out to Marcus Tucker. Um, and yeah, I mean, shout out to uh, Winnipeg. I guess you know they deserve it. I, I didn't really pay attention too much to the season, but um, yeah, I mean that's that's impressive. Let's play over under to finish out the day. I'm going to get in depth with college football and what happened this weekend because there was a lot that happened this weekend. I'm going to do more of that tomorrow. Today though, let's do over under with the top 25 lines. I love rivalry week, Jake. Around Thanksgiving, that's where you get some of the biggest rivalries. You get some Friday games, including the first one on our list. Iowa, five-point favorites. They go on the road to take on Nebraska. Huskers need to win to be bowl eligible. They won't. No. And the Hawkeyes are going to cover the five-point spread. Yeah, I agree. I Hawkeyes agree. plus five. We've got Memphis, ten-point favorites. They are at home with Cincinnati. That could actually oh. be a fun one. you got two of the better group of five teams. I'm, I'm, I'm going to take Cincy in that one. Uh, you're going to take the upset? Uh, yeah, I'm going to take the upset. I'll take under 10 points. I'm not ready to say Cincy will upset because Memphis is pretty darn good, yeah. but Memphis by 10 over Cincinnati? Oh, that's Cincy, that's Cincy kind of disrespectful though. almost. Yeah, it is. And um, I'm, I don't know. I think Cincy's a good team. I think um, they're, they're prime for a win. How about Boise State? Two touchdown favorites at Colorado State. I don't know enough about Boise. I don't know. I know they have, you know, they, they're normally pretty good. Yeah. Who are they playing? Colorado State. I don't know enough about Colorado State. I know they're, <laughs> they're not great. I'm going to take, I'll take the... I'll take the points. In I'll this take one. the points. I will. Too, yeah. All right. How about Appalachian State? 12-point favorites are at Troy. I'll take the points. I'll take the points, All too. right. We're going with App State. How about ooh, the Civil War? We've got Oregon. 20-point favorites at home against Oregon State. Oregon coming off that loss to Arizona State this weekend, shattering their playoff hopes. Mm-hmm. Hmm, this is a rivalry game. Anything can happen in college. Yeah. I'm going to take the points. You take Oregon. the points? Yeah. You think they cover 20? I think they'll cover. I don't know if they do. At home? I, I know, know. I know. All logic says that, but those intangibles, the rivalries. Hey, you know, Jonathan Smith in his second year, his record's not great, but he is turning that Beaver program in the right direction. It's tough. Man. I know, I know, but I do think that there's going to be a bounce back game for the Ducks. Now I'm, I'll, I'll take a risk. I'll say they don't cover. Don't cover okay. the twenty point spread. How about Utah? Twenty eight point favorites are at home with Colorado. I can't take. No, that's too big. That's of a too big. Of, yeah. yeah, I mean, there's no reason they shouldn't beat Colorado by four touchdowns. I just don't think they will. <laughs> yeah. Penn State forty one point favorites at home against Rutgers. Mm. There's no reason to say they shouldn't either. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's I'm not so putting many money points. on this no, one. No, that's so many points, dude. You're not taking it. No. Well, since I'm not putting money on it, I will take it. <laughs> I will take the points in this one. How about uh, Bedlam, Oklahoma, 13-point favorites at Oklahoma State? Oklahoma, See, Oklahoma State's one of those programs where, like... They're tricky. You know, they can play really well, mm-hmm. and they can beat top-notch opponents. Mm-hmm. I don't think they're going to beat Oklahoma, but the point is what, what I mean, yeah. Me. 
Ah, that's tough. I won't take the points. I'm going to take the points. You will. Yeah, In Stillwater, I'm not going to take it. How about Notre Dame, 15-point favorites. They're at Stanford. I'm too emotionally invested to ever pick the points when it comes to the Irish. But yeah, they've been playing well. The offense has been clicking lately. Yeah, I'm going to take the under on that. All right, all right. I probably will do the safe bet and do that. How about Navy, eight-point favorites. They're at Houston. Navy at at Houston. At Houston. Favorites. Navy is coming off a big win over SMU this weekend. I, I, the last time I remember hearing about Houston, they were just sitting players, and players were just taking years off. So I'm going <laughs> to I'm gonna go with Navy on that one. We'll take the points with Navy. Thank you for your service. Uh, you've got Ohio State opening as 10-point favorites at Michigan. Ooh. Mm. Only 10 points? Only 10. Michigan's been playing pretty good. They have. Mm. I'm going to take the points there. I, yeah, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> Ohio State looked Bad this well not bad but they didn't look good like no they looked a little shaky this weekend little, and they still beat Penn State by eleven right yeah and Penn State's a really good team mm-hmm. um, I think Michigan has set themselves up to get their fans excited obviously mm-hmm. um, because of just how great they've been playing Shea Patterson obviously um, looking comfortable in that offense you know throwing four touchdowns two weeks ago five last week their receivers are big. I know Ohio State has a really good secondary, et cetera. Chase Young is a beast. It's it's tough. They just they're just too talented at too many positions, and I could see them swallowing up Michigan and making it really hard. We've got Clemson, twenty six point favorites at South Carolina, who knocked off Georgia this year. Yeah, I mean, I'm gonna I'm gonna take the under. I will too. Yeah, I will too. I think Clemson still wins. Mm-hmm. You've got Georgia, thirty point favorites at Georgia Tech. Points. I'll take that. Alabama by four when they go to Auburn for the Iron Bowl. I think Auburn's going to win that game. You do? Yeah. Think, um, okay. All right. I'm definitely not taking the points with a backup quarterback. I don't know that Auburn will upset, but it's possible. Wisconsin, two-point favorites at Minnesota. I might say this could be an upset. This could be an upset. At Minnesota? It could be. But I wouldn't be surprised if Wisconsin, Wisconsin winning. Yeah. Okay. You've got LSU, 16-point favorites at home with Texas A&M. See, Texas A&M, they're one of those teams, like, they probably got talent. They got a decent head coach, obviously. Yeah. You know, they have they have what you want in a program, but they just underperform. They've let me down this you year. You know, they're just, not, they're just not there yet. I'm taking the points. I'll take the points. Because they let me down. <laughs> and the last one we got, Florida, 18-point favorites against Florida State. You know, obviously Florida State, they're they're kind of in shambles right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I I'm gonna go Florida. I, yeah. I don't. I'm not a huge fan of Florida. No, I know. I know they're they're decent. I don't ever think they're as good as they. I don't think they they're are. the eighth best team in the country. Though. No, no. So it's it's tough. But Florida State's just just not there right now. That is over under, and we just snuck in underneath the buzzer. Timed it out perfectly. Jake, appreciate you being here. Hope you have a great Thanksgiving. What do you have coming up at Local 3? Um, well, obviously, you know, the football season just wrapped up in high school football last uh, last weekend, at least for you know for the eight-player, and, and we don't really have any more UP teams remaining. So now I'm sh- uh, shifting focus to the basketball season. We'll be hitting up practices, doing previews and things like that. Sports Zone's going to return, and we're looking forward to the high school basketball season right now. That is it for us here in the Sports Pen. Back on tomorrow, same uh, time and place, 4 Eastern, 3 Central. It's my hope you join me. For Jake Duran, I'm Tanner Hoop signing off from ESPN-UPWZ. I'm Ishpeming Marquette.